Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. What's good? It's going well. Yeah, it's this week's been all over the place. I mean, living in the great state of Ohio in the springtime, it's been like 30 degrees. It's been like 60 degrees. It's it didn't hail this week, which is good, but it did rain a couple of days, which was good for video games. But it's very unpredictable here. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good, dude. Uh, we'll see how this episode goes. So for the listeners uh, that are not in the Discord, which why the heck are you not in the Otaku Brothers Discord? Click that link in the show notes. I got my second dose of the Moderna vaccine yesterday. Yes, you did. And I got it about 10 o'clock in the morning. And... I felt pretty good for the entirety of the day until about nine o'clock, maybe. And I started to kind of get really chilly, getting the chills, yeah. body ache starting. And then Lauren and I went to bed and just talked until like 12 o'clock in the morning about a whole bunch of random stuff. And then she passed out. And then that's when it really set in for me, like okay. 12 o'clock to four o'clock were just some of the most miserable hours I've had feeling sick in years. Like body aches, uh, super cold. I was just groaning. I just kind of felt miserable. Should you be wearing a face mask right now? Probably. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm now infected indirectly. <laughs> Dude, you're immune to everything. Yeah. Right? Look at know. that beard. I can't penetrate. No, exactly. That's why I got it. I'm like, you know what? He's going to be coughing COVID on me. I've got to get like similar to eyelashes, get the beard protection. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this episode goes. I do feel a little just strange my head kind of feels like it's underwater i guess the best way i could describe it is i woke up just feeling like i had the worst hangover but i didn't get to enjoy anything last night uh as it relates to some of the the good drinks so um i just woke up crazy bad headache uh but thankfully you know a couple hours have passed i've had some coffee had a ton of water and i feel pretty good right now good yeah so we'll see how the episode goes we might have to uh cut it short but i hope we don't ryan because we have a really fun special episode planned today yeah we do yeah so ryan and i kind of teased it last week that we have a number of segments planned over the not only just the next few weeks but just moving forward with otaku brothers if you're new here this is a a video game podcast ryan and i are brothers in law and we just chat about all kinds of fun stuff yeah we do we talk about our lives we talk about video games we talk about movies tv really whatever we feel like talking about It makes its way here on the show, but this week we're going to be starting a segment called Memory of Melodies, Yes, and that might sound sort of familiar for people if you picked up Melody of Memories, that Kingdom Hearts rhythm game that came out last year, and that's kind of the idea, but we wanted to flip the name on its head a little bit because we wanted to be very particular uh, in what the segment means to us and what we're going to be talking about, so we'll leave that for kind of the back half of the show all right we're going to be doing that at the tail end we also have more listener questions we got an audio question this week from a good friend of the show so stay tuned for that uh and then of course as we always do here on the otaku brothers podcast we talk about the games that we have been playing recently but ryan uh you got any life updates to report to us this week well last week so we recorded friday Mm -hmm. um because 
basically all of last weekend we are gone i think lauren was gone on saturday and then the parents were gone as well at the horse farm so our friends own i think it's like a hundred horse horse farm Mm -hmm. um so we went out there to put posts in the ground make like four paddocks um so it was a lot of work we took nala out there we didn't know how she was going to interact with these giant animals seeing them for the first time luckily she did well we tied her to the wood um, with a long leash, so she was kind of out there with us, and then we put her in the barn for the first day, like, next to all of, I think it was, like, eight mothers and their newborn children, mm. um, some of them which were born the night before. Wow. So pretty young. They're already standing up. They've got rippling muscles, you know, horses and nice. stuff. But she, like, went up, got, like, nose-to-nose with a horse and, like, barked at it. I was like, I know you're a female horse and you're neutered, but you've got some balls. <laughs> like, holy shit. Um, but she ended up getting used to it. Mm. Um, and then, so we worked like five and a half hours one day, which put up, I don't know, like 65 fence posts. So, so we got that done. And then we went back Sunday. Lauren, I think, had people over, so she didn't go. Um, but we br- ended up bringing the dog out again. And we were able to complete the second half of that. In about three and a half hours. So okay, getting better. Nice. We were speed running, you know. <laughs> yeah. Get some good times. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was exhausting. Uh, got done around two o'clock, and then Rick was actually came in town mm-hmm. um, Sunday night. So Rick and Ben ended up sleeping over. Sunday night we played Monster Hunter pretty late, and then Rick slept over Monday night as well. Oh, nice. So it was a good time. There were some new releases of the updates for Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. So we've been playing that this week. Good stuff. Nice. Yeah, what about you? Anything new with life? Not really. Um, thankfully, work uh, kind of died down a bit this week. Uh, and of course, anytime you take time off of work, there's kind of a um, a lot you want to push through just to make sure you're in a good place before you're out. Uh, but yeah, I'm, so I'm taking all of next week off of work just because some of the oh, past shit. few weeks uh, were just kind of kicked my butt. A lot, you know, so we had some training going on earlier in the week and then the back half of the week was just pushing through some stuff for work. And uh, yeah, it feels really good to know that one, I'm feeling a lot better this morning already as it relates to getting the vaccine. But now I can hopefully just after I edit this podcast, throw it up, do some yard work this afternoon and then tomorrow and for the next week, just play video games, relax, get some stuff done around the house. I have a lot of projects here in the game room that I want to finally uh, finish. Yeah. So one of which is I got a second monitor. Yes. And I also got kind of a boom stand to be able to connect both of my monitors to that. So I'll have more flexibility with the movement of the monitors. It'll free up a lot more desk space. And uh, it's just going to be a, a, a convenience for, for podcasting, you know, Twitch or whatever else, uh, just to have two monitors as opposed to the one that I have now. Very so nice. I'm looking forward to that. And then Lauren actually had this really interesting shelving unit when she was a kid. And you're probably familiar with it. Right when you walked into her room at your parents' house and you looked to your left, there was kind of that well, uh, that white shelving unit that almost looked like the roof to a house. And there were a whole bunch of random little cubbies in it. And she had just a whole bunch of knickknacks and little small pictures in there. Well, what I'm going to do, I think I've told you about this before, I already have kind of a neat uh, shelving unit in my closet, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put this white shelving unit on top of that, and that's where I'm going to kind of display all of my Game Boy stuff. Oh, cool. 
more more recently this past week, thanks to the influence of a great friend of the show, uh, Mr. Blankum, he was um, doing some pickups on, on his Thursday stream, and he showed this Game Boy Advance game that, to me, sounded very interesting, because we all know, if you've been listening to the Otaku Brothers podcast for any amount of time, or if you're familiar with my YouTube channel back in the day, I love me some Disney jank platformers, and so I've been kind of cleaning up, because I have pretty much just about any Disney jank platformer cart on Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, as it is, Mm -hmm. but I don't really have any of the boxes, Uh, and growing up, you know, I had really the only game I remember having complete in box, and it was one of my first Game Boy Color games, was Toy Story 2. So I've been going on eBay and just looking to complete some of my copies for the Game Boy Color, and thankfully, you know, the games that I like, whether it's the PS1, PS2, N64, or Game Boy, those are kind of the systems I primarily collect for nowadays, getting complete in box copies for those systems for the games that I like is pretty affordable. Like, I got the Toy Story 2 box for like six bucks. Oh, that's really Um, good. I got a couple other ones that were like eight bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks. Of course, it adds up if you get four or five, but it's just nice that moving forward, I can look at my Game Boy collection once I display it here on the shelf and find a unique way to do that with the carts that I can say, you know what? I want to get Simba's Mighty Adventure complete on the Game Boy Color. And I look online and I can get the box for 10, 15 bucks, you know, as opposed to, I mean, Game Boy Color is really getting out of hand if you want to dive deep into collecting for that system. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thankful that based on the games that I have, based on the games that I want, I can get things pretty affordable for the system. So, nice. uh, yeah, the next week, though, yeah, just going to be maybe browsing some eBay, um, maybe get back into just doing things that are good for my body, like getting outside more, walking, getting some exercise in, putting good things in my body. And uh, I might even play some games with the good old Blinkoom because he is also taking the next week off of work. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be super chill. I'm looking forward to having the time off. It should be really good, relaxing times. Nice to recharge. And uh, definitely, you know, if I can get on my little soapbox, if you have the opportunity to, uh, like I said last week, self-love yourself, take advantage of that time. Because, you know, everyone could use a break every now and again. And uh, I know for me, uh, I know myself well. And I know that I need a break. Otherwise, I'm going to pretty much break. So, yeah, you've had a, lo- a rough last month, so mm-hmm. nine days off will be really good for you. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to that. And then just a couple other things, too, before we get into the games that we've been playing recently here. Uh, I watched and I finished the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition in 4K this mm-hmm. week. Holy shit, dude. So I watched Fellowship twice because I didn't, I, I just felt like I didn't capture all of the, the best moments well enough. So I was just like, you know what, let's, let's, let's restart, press play again. Can't go wrong. That's what you got to do. <laughs> the fellowship. Uh, no, the reason for that was because I watched it by myself. And then um, a couple weekends ago, and I, I, I do not condone this, but Lauren and I had to work on Sunday. And so we said, the only way we're working on Sunday is we come up to the game room and put on the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. we went through the fellowship again. And it is truly unbelievable how clear the picture is for pretty much every scene. I mean, you, you know, the Lord of the Rings, I mean, just to kind of continue to get on the soapbox that is me singing the praises and being an evangelist for Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson's films that he directed, those movies hold up so freaking well 20 years later. The fact that they Fellowship do. is 20 years old this December when it released in theaters and all of the practical effects, all of the hair and makeup, 
the Howard Shore's score, the casting. I mean, everything about those films is pretty much perfect in my eyes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And watching it in 4K um, certainly enhances the experience. The only thing I will say is that it definitely also reveals some of the imperfections. The, the jank of some of the CGI. Well, just not even the CGI, but, you know, because the hobbits aren't actually like three feet tall in real life, like Elijah Wood, Billy Boyd, uh, you know, Dominic and, and um, uh, Sean Astin, like those guys aren't actually that, that short. And so for a lot of the scenes, the way they filmed it is... And I don't know all the nuance or the actual terminology from a a directing or filmmaking perspective, but the way Peter Jackson filmed it is when he did shots kind of further away, you can clearly see like that is not Sean Astin in the actual scene. They had the really short, I don't know, I think they were kids probably, but like Gandalf and Frodo didn't actually film that like where Frodo jumped on him when he came to the Shire for the first time. That was a kid. Well, and there's a, they shoot it in a weird way too. So when he's in the carriage and they're, they're going into the Shire. They're, they're ride, riding into the Shire on that carriage. Uh, Elijah Wood is actually sitting three feet behind Sir yeah. Ian McKellen. So whenever he's looking up from the audience perspective, it seems as if they're right next to each other and they're having a conversation when in reality, Elijah Wood is looking at nothing and Ian McKellen is three feet in front of him on the carriage. Yeah, that and they had the same type of illusion with the, the hobbit holes and stuff. They had some crazy practical effects to make that illusion. I mean, it's just fascinating, you know, the level of detail and intricacies that went into filming it and and how much care and effort Peter Jackson put into bringing Tolkien's world to life. Yeah. Because I know I wasn't really old enough to know at that time, but I remember or at least in hindsight, reading up on stuff, people were really fearful that they were going to really screw this up. Yeah. You know, and the fact that freaking um, Aragorn, Viggo Mortensen was cast like three days after they started filming because the original person that they had as his character wasn't working. And, you know, Viggo Mortensen's son was the one that pushed him over the edge and said, Dad, you have to do this. Yeah, I don't know if I could picture anyone else as him now. No way. He's oh my, my Aragorn. Oh, he's, he absolutely <laughs> is. And it's funny because the first scene that he filmed was on Weathertop yeah. fighting the Nazgul. And New Line Cinema basically said, you need to send us uh, uh, some footage for us to continue funding this project because they pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into it. And mm-hmm. they had to make a return on this. Otherwise, it would have been probably one of the biggest flops in cinematic history. And so Peter Jackson was like, well, we can't do a scene in the Shire where everyone's, you know, partying and drinking beer. That's not going to sell this. Yeah. We need action. We need something intense, something that's going to get the audience juices flowing. And so they filmed that scene with Viggo Mortensen and Viggo, even the um, one of the stunt uh, tra- like the sword master, I think. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. said he was one of the most impressive people using a sword ever. It was as if he was born for that. And, and did, wasn't that his first time picking up the sword too? I think it was. was. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of won it. Yeah. And so Nazgul's. they recorded that scene and they sent it to New Line and they were just like, we have something special here. And then yeah. they basically said, Peter, take all of the money all you the need money. <laughs> yeah. and just make the best movies possible. And the fact that they filmed all three movies over a 16 month period, I think it was like 263 days of actually being on set. Yeah. And to think that those movies, you look at the, the Avenger films. There's like how many of those movies? Like, like 20, 25. You look so. at Harry Potter. There's eight of those movies together. I think those two series of movies have won like two or three Oscars. How many Oscars do you think the three Lord of the Rings films won? Probably 20. Three. 23. 23. 
they 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 had a clean sweep of the 2003 or four Oscars when the Return of the King came out. It won yeah. Best Picture, won Best Score, Best pretty much everything. And it's just it's just telling of how brilliant those movies are. And you know, there's a lot of you know pe- people probably talk about how uh, they're overrated or whatever. They're not as good as people make them out to be. But I will fight to the death continuing to yeah. say that these movies are some of the best movies out there and it's just amazing how even today i feel like some of the practical effects and special effects are better than some of the movies that have come out in the past decade yeah i mean it's crazy looking at the technology they had and what they're able to do compared to like what they're able to do now mm-hmm. i mean yeah it's it's amazing and well, so I, which one was your favorite then out of the three with the new 4k i mean i think fellowship is is still my favorite just because you you have so much time in the Shire, you have so much time learning about um, the different types of hobbits and, and just Frodo beginning his journey yeah. um, and just laying the groundwork and foundation about why we're going to end up caring about these characters so much, yeah. right? And there's just so many special moments. I mean, Boromir going down, you know, Frodo saying he's going to go on the journey without Sam and Sam's like, I know and I'm going with you. <laughs> and then, you know... Well, I always forget how long the fellowship is because I always mentally cut it off because they leave the Shire. They go to, uh, was it Rivendell? Mm -hmm. And then they make their journey. They end up going through Moria and then they go to another elf place in the woods. And then after that. Lothlorien. Yeah, Lothlorien. And then after that. Then they have the whole other segment with Argonoth, those two statues. Amen, baby. I always cut it off after Moria, be like, oh, yeah, like we're almost done towards the end of the movie. And then it's like, ha ha ha, hour and a half <laughs> left. Well, that's the crazy thing, too, like, because I, I certainly think, you know, Fellowship is my favorite, then Return of the King, then Two Towers. But I mean, again, it's like choosing between kids. Like the, all three movies in my eyes are pretty much perfect. But it is amazing how at the end of Return of the King, how many fake endings there are. Like, I remember people talk about that. I'm like, what What do you mean there's fake endings? But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, after the Battle of Minas Tirith and the Witch King gets killed by uh, uh, Eowyn, you know, yeah. a, a whole lot of stuff goes down. You're like, oh, this has to be the end. And then it's like, no, that's the battle uh, for Minas Tirith. We still have to go to the Black Gate to give Frodo more time. And then Frodo, of course, destroys the ring. And you're like, oh, gosh, and what a happy ending. And the spider thing. Fighting Shella. Well, and, that's that's way before. But I'm yeah. talking like so the, the the ring gets destroyed, and you're like, okay, that's definitely the ending. That's happy. That's great. But then no, they go back to Rivendell, and Frodo gets nursed back to health, and then everyone walks in. Sam's the last person that walks in. And you're like, oh my gosh, perfect ending. What a great way to wrap it up. That Frodo's in good health, and everyone, yeah, that we love in the Fellowship is still alive. But then after that, they go back to Minas Tirith. Aragorn's crowned king, and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, wow, that's perfect. You bow to no one. Great. I love that line. That's a great yeah. ending. They fade out, but then it's like, nope, we're not done yet. We go back to the Shire, and then Sam marries Rosie, and then that's great. And you're like, oh my gosh, what a great way to end in the Shire, just like the movie began. And you gotta go to the Undying Land. And then you gotta go to the Undying Land. <laughs> it's like, oh, Frodo's gone. Holy <laughs> shit. It was crazy, because so many times they played this perfect music where it was like this angelic choir singing yeah. and it would fade to white and then it, it would transition to the next scene. It was crazy, um, but it's still so good and it's amazing that Peter Jackson was able to pack in so much. And yeah, if you're in the audience and you're not a huge fan of the movies, maybe you're like, let's wrap this up now. But it, every single moment is still so special. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard packing three books into three movies that aren't going to be, well, they're four hours, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 
I think he did really well with the pacing. I he he really did. Because I think the Shellub stuff took part in the two towers, and then like the ghost army only killed the people on the boat, opposed to everyone in Minas Tirith. Oh. So like the, he made some liberties because the like the dead army or the ghost army was pretty overpowered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I fucking love Lord of the Rings. It's yeah, amazing. It was great rewatching them. I mean, again, I, I watch these movies at least once a year, probably two to three times a year, and I still feel like every time I watch the extended editions, I always pick up on something new. Yeah. Whether there's a scene where it's like, especially Return of the King, because that's probably the one I've watched the least. I was like, I don't, I don't remember this scene. Yeah. You know, there's so much packed into those movies, especially the extended editions. And um, what I, movie were we watching recently that we were like? I don't. Is this extended edition? Was it, was it like Chamber Secrets? Chamber Secrets. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were at your parents, and it was like this. Some of this stuff just looks new, and I've yeah. seen I've seen Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets like three hundred times. Yeah. Like, and I'm not yeah, even. Yeah, it was like some side conversations and some shots there. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know. Do they have full extended editions of Harry Potter? I think I've only seen the regular ones. No, I don't think they do. Okay. I mean, there's it's not de- as epic. There's probably deleted scenes, of course, but yeah. I don't think there's actual like. Six hour chamber of secrets. No, I don't. I don't okay. think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I promise this is not a Lord of the Rings podcast, but Ryan and I could certainly <laughs> sometimes it is go on forever. Uh, yeah, it was just such a treat revisiting those movies, and in 4K, they're just that much better. I actually bought the Hobbit too. I bought the full Blu-ray collection of the Hobbit. I love that. I mean, I I know a lot more CGI. The filming and the production was kind of rushed, but I still like those movies quite a bit. Yeah, and it is sad that they canceled the MMO. I think it was Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, you still got Lord of the Rings online. The servers are still up and running. So yes, if you want to pay forty dollars a month, hey, it's <laughs> it's free to play. Yeah. You just if you want to access everything, it's kind of more yeah. expensive. Um, the other thing I watched this week, and then we can get into some games we've been playing, was a documentary that Dave Grohl uh, of the Foo Fighters actually directed called "What Drives Us," okay. and it was something that was teased a couple weeks back, and the the teaser trailer just really interested me and sucked me in i was super pumped to to watch it and really the premise is dave grohl prior to the pandemic happening i think in late 2019 went around and interviewed some of rock and roll's most well-known uh band members about what it was like going out on the road kind of the humble beginnings of starting their bands what it was like driving a van playing like really small shows to five to ten people and then, you know, nowadays these people are, are selling out arenas, yeah. you know? So, I mean, he interviews people like Brian Johnson of ACDC, uh, Flea, the bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Edge, the guitarist of U2, Slash, Ringo Starr, among so many others. And what was so interesting to me is is how personable um, and Dave Grohl really just has a softer, more emotional, heartfelt side that you would never picture if you only knew him from seeing him in live shows where he's just like slugging Jack Daniels and saying like, let's fucking go, you know, like just, you know, like, yeah. you know, because his stage presence is a lot different than what he is, you know, off the stage when he's a father to three kids. He takes his kids to school every day. He's a great husband. Do you think his onstage presence is like a persona or like a stage character or is it? him playing out more of his personality i think that's where dave Grohl comes to life okay yeah no i think that is i mean that's his job but it's he's said on multiple occasions in multiple interviews that 
it's not a job, it's a privilege that I get to go out there and live my dream singing to hundreds of thousands of people um, and the crowds, you know, sing my music back to me, yeah. you know. Okay. Um, he's just one of the most stand-up dudes and it really is apparent here in this, this, this documentary because he interviews these people and he so effortlessly pulls stories out of these people, some really hard, like some are really brutal about, you know, the flea talks about his upbringing and um, his dad was just an abusive alcoholic. And there's just so much packed into the documentary. Um, it's funny. It's entertaining. It's super engaging. And I even discovered a band that I'd never heard of before called Radkey. It's these three young brothers that grew up in, I believe, Missouri. And they kind of started this punk rock band. And their dad is actually the the band manager, and he's the one that drives them around the states to go to their different shows in a giant van. Very cool. And it was just so cool seeing Dave interview these young kids about, you know, what kind of compelled them to become musicians, what drives them, their influences, and all of that stuff. It's it's really pretty good, and um, it's about an hour and a half. It's on Amazon Prime. It's part of the Coda Collection which is kind of an offshoot of Amazon Prime, but you can sign up for a free seven-day trial and just cancel it afterwards. Uh, if you're really interested or if you love rock and roll from the you know the 70s, 80s, um, and even still, then I would say definitely look at it or definitely watch it. I think it's really great to just see the humble beginnings of so many of these rock bands and what kind of drove them and, and why they basically gave up everything to pursue their dreams. Yeah, I'll have to add that to my list. It's really good. And I um, I would watch it this weekend because I'm only going to have that thing for seven Yeah, that's what I was curious. I'm like, do you still have that subscription? Yeah, so I, yeah, I, okay. and I, Laura and I were actually going to watch it last night, but we just we were just talking and catching up on a lot of stuff, so we didn't. But um, it's something that I would happily just put back in and, and watch. It's very entertaining. Cool. So, Well, without further ado, Ryan, what do you say we get into the games that we have been playing recently? Yeah, let's do it. What have you been playing this week? Um, well, getting back to the best game, RuneScape. All right. Played that this week. Um, I got my 40 hours of work and 40 hours of RuneScape in. So it wasn't actually 300 hours last time, so I'm not that intense. Well, I saw, I like mapped that out. I'm like, okay, let's do... It's way too much. 24 it's times... 160 for four weeks, but I don't four times four is 16. Yeah, but there's 24 hours in a day. <laughs> I devote eight hours a day to work, not 24. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm not going to do the number crunching now, but you spent a lot of time playing with Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I played like 40 hours this week, and I actually got another cape, So, no. <laughs> which is not good, but it is good. Um, so last time I got a prayer cape, and I was working on cooking, which is actually my first cape on my other account of all time, so... I knocked that one out this week, and I won't be talking about getting capes for like another month and a half, or probably like two months, mm-hmm. um, because I'm working on doing two at once, smithing and fletching. Okay. And smithing's about 215 hours left in that one, and then fletching is about 126, I think I've left. One thing you were talking about last week that... I didn't really understand when you were talking about it, but in post when I was listening to it, it finally clicked when you said that the amount of experience points it takes to get to level 92 is the same amount of experience it takes to get from 92 to 100 or 99 or whatever. Yeah, exponential curves suck ass. Because I was like, like I, when you so said much. that, you said like, let that sink in for a little bit. And I said, I, I still am not getting this. But when I, 
again, when I was listening in post, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, that is a significant amount of time to be grinding. Yeah, so... I mean, you grind up and you're like, oh, yeah, seven more to go until 99. You're like 92. And I mean, the 92 or 99 is 13 million experience. Mm. So you're about 6.5 million experience in at 92. So you just as you ding 92, you hit halfway. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I got that cape. I'm excited. I'm going for two more. I mean, this is, I mean, eight hours a day. I'm not trying to push myself. But it's just a long-term goal to eventually be able to do raids and stuff. Well, when as soon as Pete Dore ends up streaming him playing RuneScape, I know we already have him uh, lined up to do a retrospective for a certain thing, uh, but it'd be great to post him playing RuneScape, get him on the show, do the retrospective discussion, but then also... Uh, Talk have, about addictions. Have you two geek out about? <laughs> yeah, that. Well, but. yeah, I, I got a like. It's funny to hear the comments because my character's name is. I guess I'm back, mm-hmm. and it's my passive aggressive way of being like, "Fuck, I guess I'm going to play this again." And I get a lot of comments of be like, are, "Are we glad that you're back, or like, should are you happy you're back?" And it's it depending on what I'm doing. It's like, eh, you know, these are random people, just random people across the world, just you know. So, yeah, just comforting you in your your addictive tendencies. Yeah, they're they're encouraging, but also like they also understand the you never really quit. You just put it down like similar to art. Not that RuneScape is art, but like similar to art, like you put down your painting and it's it's never really finished. It's just you're taking a sabbatical. Well, that's hilarious you say that because literally on the All Gen Gamers episode where Johnny Millennium and Pete Dore talked about, uh, you know, two addicts talking about their past or speaking about their past. You know, Johnny said that he was done. Like when he put Final Fantasy XI down, like he was done playing the game, was never going to go back, sold all of his equipment, everything. But then Pete, when he was talking about him quitting the game, he literally said, now I've quit this game a few times because you never really quit. Or at least in my case, I never really quit Final yeah. Fantasy XI. No, I've, I've never done the full, like I'm going to sell everything I own and give it away. Yeah. Deanna's done that with her account, except for like her Santa hat. That's Lauren's best friend. Yeah. And then... Um, Ben, I think, did that with his RuneScape 3. Um, I still have all of my shit because I know eventually I'm going to be like, you know what I feel like doing when I feel like doing nothing else, video game-wise, RuneScape. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's just something about the grind and the nostalgia. Um, I mean, playing on the 2007 servers, that was like the peak of like when I started. I think I started in like 2005, which is crazy to think it's like 15 years ago. I've been addicted to this game but yeah yeah so collecting capes kicking ass taking names you know cooking dude as long as you're having fun that's all that matters yeah i mean that's it's a good rut game but it's also yeah i i enjoy it don't hate on me i'm not judging me for my shit i'm really not (laughs) i'm really not yeah so i did that this week um smithing cape the one i'm going for now is i think my favorite cape in the game it's just the idea of being able to forge your own armor you know self-sufficient mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. doing that and then monster hunter rise is my main other game um this week i think there was a direct on tuesday um tuesday morning and they basically announced hey uh on the 28th and on wednesday the new kind of content's coming out and mm-hmm. it turns out that 28th was 12 a.m. Uh, like universal time 
so it came out at 8 p.m. that day, which was cool. Um, so they released three Elder Dragons and then one additional character from Rise, who was kind of, they didn't even mention in the trailer, so it was cool to get. Um, so yeah, we got three new Elder Dragon fights and one bonus. Nice. So I've been grinding out that this week. Um, they pretty much changed up all the meta with the uh, new decorations, which is basically just a, a skill that you can slot into specific armor pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so they gave us a couple of the meta defining skills as decorations. Um, so yeah, basically all the sets across the board changed up with how these new decorations came in. And then some really fun fights. And yeah, worth playing for sure. It yeah. added about 20 to 25 hours more of gameplay with those four monsters. Um, those are just kind of the main ones, and then they have the deviants, which are the harder versions of the current stuff. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's nice to see, I mean, three or four weeks after, or maybe a month after the original release, they're still adding a shit ton on. And then the next major update, which is TBD right now for the actual release date, is going to give the final ending okay, to got this it. main story. So they had... A low rank ending, a high rank ending, and now this is like the ending ending for at least this portion of difficulty. Nice. Dude, Capcom is killing it right now. They are, yeah. I think it is still their fastest selling game of all times. Yeah, so. Monster Hunter Rise, especially uh, in Japan, sold like hotcakes. So. And I think it's kicking off some of their Street Fighter games for most single platform games sold. Right. I think it kicked off one of the Street Fighters or broke that record, and it's going after one of the earlier Street Fighters for like single console sales of all time. I believe in it. In their library. I so, believe it. Yeah, good time. Um, still trying to get you and Lauren to play. We'll eventually play mm-hmm. one of these weekends. But. Now, is there anything like in the near future they're looking forward to maybe breaking the RuneScape and <clears throat> Monster Hunter binge? Um. Well, I, I want uh, Kena to come well, out. Well, that's like six months away and then i want uh ratchet and clank oh, okay that's june yeah, yeah june so that that's kind of my main one um yeah i'm, I'm looking for something i really want to do uh the Tarkron guys got me doom mm-hmm. i want to do that and then i'm still trying to convince myself to do a final fantasy it, it's just that that leap of I know I'm committed for. I'm telling time. you, dude. I think the perfect Final Fantasy for you is Final Fantasy 15. All right, you got the monster huntery combat. You got this bro trip, you know, nature where you you hop in the car, listen to good tunes. You can go on a bunch of quests to kill monsters, yeah. and there's a bunch of like each character has a specific skill set that they're kind of an expert in, and one of them is cooking. So I mean, <laughs> why why go for that cooking yeah. skill in RuneScape when you yeah. can do it in Final Fantasy 15? I mean, you make a very good point. Yeah, logic. I man. mean, I could get the cape twice. Shit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. There's games on the horizon. I just need to figure out. I have that list of games I wanted to play this year. I just need to pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I do have a big backlog. Did you ever get any further in near? No. So yeah, we'll get to the games I've been playing okay. recently. Uh, if you're finished. Yeah, I guess besides RuneScape and Monster Hunter, I mean, Monster Hunter, I still have a shit ton of things to do in that game before I consider myself a, a, a healthy completion amount. Um, so I'm about 116, 17 hours in. Um, I 
don't really have many crowns, which is basically you're filling out your collection a log of the largest sizes of hunts. Um, so I want to try to farm a bit of crowns. I still have a good amount of armor to kind of max out my two main builds, mm -hmm. which is a hunting horn and a light bow gun. Um, so I have a lot of gameplay still to still to play on that. But yeah, I, I we'll see what I end up playing. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're, I mean, you're selling me on the path list just before this, but we'll we'll see. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. I'm not going to try and push you too hard, but uh, a lot of good games out there, and uh, you should be playing some of them. Yeah. So. And then as far as other things, I made progress in Aragon. Oh, nice. Out of the book, so I have about five hours left. So I listened both trips. I mean, yeah, so like four hours in the car ride down to the horse farm last weekend. Um, and then I went on like an hour and a half walk with Nala, which is where I listened to it. So Nice. Yeah. Five hours left and then I can start book two, making my way through. Sweet. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So what about you? What have you played? Uh, so last week, and I really am trying to make a conscious effort to not just pick up games, play for 30 minutes and then not go back to it. Like I really want to focus on... If I start a game playing it to completion, and that's that's tougher when, you know, as a big fan of RPGs and I have a lot of them in my backlog, um, I just want to be careful with the games I select. So yeah. if I'm in a mood to start something, I want to make sure that I'm really in the mood to start that game so I can play it to completion. And this so, is a perfect week for that five days off. It is. And so I have not only the games that I've beaten, that I've started, but also some things that are kind of potentially in the pipeline that I might consider uh, playing later this week. God of so, War. It's one of them. <laughs> yeah, yes. it, it's one of them. <laughs> Um, so following last week's discussion, I talked about uh, a number of games, but one of them was Tamarin. And this is a okay. game that really kind of flew under the radar of people, came out last fall. There were rumors that it was kind of a pseudo-spiritual successor to Jet Force Gemini on the N64, and it got reviewed pretty terribly. Like, it has a 39 on Metacritic or something stupid like that, and my goodness, does it not deserve that rating at all. Really? Oh my goodness. I mean, very much like Ballyan Wonderworld. I know I was a little critical last week, and um, I, I don't take anything back that I said. Like, my frustrations are still very apparent with that game, mm -hmm. but you were trying to associate, like, numbers to platforming and numbers to overall game, and I don't necessarily like associating a number to a game because i think a game is so much more than its review score what and do you like you like emojis better or what you like it, did it get a smiley face or a frowny face well, i play games because they're fun and they make okay. me feel good so and a smiley face yeah cool. I, I play games because they make me feel good they make me smile and battling wonder world brought a smile to my face and made me feel really good and I think that's all that matters. And it kills me that the game sold so poorly because the chances of us continuing to get unique experiences like that, especially from people like Yuji Naka, who's been making games for, you know, 30 years, are very slim. Yeah. And Tamarin is another perfect example of that where it probably sold terribly. Um, very few people played it. If I ask just about anyone, have you heard of Tamarin? They look at me like I have four heads, mm -hmm. you know, and, and rightfully so because... The game, as far as I'm concerned, got very little marketing um, push from anyone, and it's just not something that people would go out of their way to play. Would Super Lucky's Tale fall into that category, or was that one a little bit more, or received a little bit better? Not only was it received better, but it got such a big marketing push, you oh, know? Okay. Uh, when it was originally on Xbox, it came to Game Pass, then they kind of... Uh, 
they didn't remaster it, but they added a bunch of content to it and then slapped on new Super Lucky's Tale because okay. originally it was just Super Lucky's Tale on the Xbox One. And then they rebranded it as new Super Lucky's with more content. Then it came to Switch. Then it came to PS4. Yada, yada, yada. So that game got far more attention and rightfully so. If I have to recommend a 3D platformer people, a 3D platformer to people nowadays, especially uh, younger kids, if a parent is trying to find a game for their kid, the first game I'm going to recommend is New Super Lucky's Tale. Yeah. Before Ukulele, before Super Mario 64, before anything else, because I feel like it is such a accessible 3D platformer. It's so cute, and it's really just the perfect game for pretty much anyone um, of all ages. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tamron is not that game. Like this is not a game <laughs> that I would recommend to everyone because it's not just a, a bare bones 3d platformer. There are these weirdo 3d or there are these weirdo gunfights, right? third person action sequences. When you go into these dungeons and you shoot up a bunch of ants and try and save your little Tamron family. Mm-hmm. And, the checkpoint system can be pretty damn brutal at times, you know? Um, And as I was playing it, it was really frustrating me in certain sequences, particularly at the end of the game, uh, as you make your way to the final boss, because there's this section where you get through about half of the dungeon and you have three or four checkpoints. And then when you get to the midway checkpoint, there's no more checkpoints until the very end of the game and you beat it. Wow. And so it took me at least four times to end up uh, going through without dying But when I did, and then I spent another three to five hours going back and collecting everything and getting the Platinum Trophy, I was really just reminded of how much I miss games like this, Mm -hmm. this, how much I miss developers taking a bit of a risk and developers that really have a great appreciation for, you know, rare of the N64 era. And this game really feels like a late 90s early 2000s rareware game that got canned on the n64 because whatever reason Mm -hmm. and then the team revitalized the coding and they made a made that game that was supposed to be on the n64 or an early gamecube game and brought it to current generation consoles it's really fun it's super cute the platforming is tight the third person shooting is a little janky but all in all i think this is a really well-rounded experience very fun worth playing even though there are some pretty frustrating points in the game that will really tick some people off yeah but i mean it's less frustrating i'm assuming than the ukulele to final level i mean oh absolutely so i mean like four or five times versus the 30 attempts to maybe get through the final level that but a lot of that too is some of that is on the developer because I still think that last impossible layer level is is ridiculous given yeah. the rest of the game not being anywhere near as challenging as that. Yeah. But a lot of it is just kind of getting good and understanding like, it. yes, this is different than the prior moments in the game and the prior levels and the difficulty spiked. But at the end of the day, those levels are still fair. Mm-hmm. You just have to get good and understand where to jump, when not to jump and be patient. Yeah. And Tamron is very similar in the in the in the vein that like there are some frustrating sequences, but if you're patient and just accept the game for what it is, it's it's pretty damn fun. Well, it's good to hear that it went up in your book mm-hmm. from last week. Yeah, and, and you know it's not going to break any records. It's not probably not going to be a game of the year for me, um, but it's definitely going to be something that I look fondly on at the end of the year. Good. So and that's really all that matters. So Tamron, well worth the time for me. Uh, the next game. 
And did you platinum that one? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. of course. Um, it took me about 13 hours, which I was pretty impressed because I went to the the developer's Twitter page mm-hmm. and was just kind of just looking at the things that they retweet. And they retweeted like a bunch of people that are kind of tremendous fans of the game and people that got the platinum trophy. And then when they were showing their timestamps, it was like 20, 23, 25 hours. And it took me th- uh, 13. Would you ever speed run Tamarin? No way. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. I could be convinced, but it, it would be a pretty brutal speed run. That's a long run. speed run. Yeah. I mean, it'd probably be like a, a two-hour speed run. Oh, I guess, yeah, for platinum. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah, it would be an any percent run, not a, a platinum trophy run. Okay. But yeah, Tamarin was good times. Uh, the next game I played, which is absolutely going to be a top 10 game of the year contender, is The Pathless. Talked a bit about it last week, Giant Squid's game. They've also uh, developed and put out Abzu. The Pathless, the best way I could describe it for people that are unfamiliar with it, is a cross between Breath of the Wild and that game company's journey. It is such a, a unique experience. I don't think it does anything groundbreaking in terms of um, the indie genre or just action uh, stuff, but it feels like Breath of the Wild in terms of traversing the world, the puzzle solving, a sweeping soundtrack by Austin Winnery. Uh, It was just a really great time. I beat it in about eight hours. I was just so incredibly surprised how addicting the the puzzles were, Mm -hmm. how... Never once, and I pride myself on this, I never looked at a guide. Never once. And for me, that's a big freaking deal because typically when it comes to puzzles, I don't even bother trying to assess how to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I just say, nope, I don't want to do a puzzle. I'll go to YouTube. I'll type the puzzle in and I'll just fi- I'll just kind of follow the guide. But this, every single time, I would kind of assess the area, figure out the puzzle. And the puzzles in the path list, all things considered, are really, really simple. Every single time I was try- I would get stumped, I would think that like Rusty, I'm I'm overthinking this. This really is not that big of a deal. And then I'd figure out how to solve it and it was really pretty simple. Would you consider this a platformer? Sort of, not what, not really. What, what genre would you put this game into? I mean, I hate to just say adventure because adventure okay. is such a broad category. Yeah. I, I think the best way I could describe it like I said is Breath of the Wild meets Journey. Okay. If you've played both of those games, you can pretty much get an idea of what this game plays like. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful-looking game. Um, I'll definitely have to play this from some of the screenshots you're showing. It's The contrast is amazing. You like it quite a bit, I think. Yeah. You know, um, movement around the world is just never, ever gets dull. You know, okay. shooting those uh, the arrows at the talismans in the sky, which kind of fuel your stamina meter. Okay, that's what they do. It's just so much fun. Okay. And so it took me about eight hours to beat, and then it took me about two hours to go back and pretty much solve all the puzzles in the game and get the platinum trophy in this as well. Okay, so the platinum wasn't bad. No, not at all. And it was very conducive to podcast listening. Good. And really the entirety of the game, um, you know, a lot of people would kind of scoff at that and say, you're really going to do your boy Austin Winery like that? And when, speaking about the music, it's it's a sweeping soundtrack perfectly fitting for like a blockbuster film i'm not even kidding what orchestral or yeah but at the same time there wasn't a particular track that struck me like something like apotheosis at the end of journey Mm -hmm. what i will say though is every time the music was playing it was very fitting for the area that i was in that's good 
And, and that's what's important, you know, because it kind of just fuels the experience that much more, kind of gets you jacked up to keep going. And, you know, Austin Winery is just a, a mastermind at this point when it, as it relates to, to composing music. So yeah. yeah, we've never mentioned him. Never, 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 never once. Uh, but yeah, if you're in, into like, you know, Journey, Breath of the Wild, Zelda type games, check out The Pathless. I think it's on PS4 and PS5 right now. I will say if you have a PS5, that's probably the best way to experience it because there is some haptic feedback and the um, the triggers um, kind of provide some resistance when you're locking your bow, which is pretty cool. Nice. So good stuff there. Just two other quick games that I started this week. I did pop in near Replicant. Uh, unfortunately, I did not spend a whole lot of time playing it just because I know the time sink that that game requires. And I'm like, you know what? I really want to focus on beating Tamron in the Pathless this week, uh, which I did, and I played about 30 minutes to an hour of Near Replicant, so I really can't give any impressions other than combat is super quick, super fast, very satisfying, almost reminds me of something like Devil May Cry. Yeah. Uh, and the soundtrack is already beginning to impress me, and I'm 30 minutes into the game. So nice. um, if that's telling of anything, you know, check out Near Replicant, but hopefully I'll have more impressions uh, on next week's episode when I play a little bit more of it. And then the final game I've been playing... You know, I always have to have a little weirdo uh, 3D platformer going on in the background. Yeah, your week wouldn't be complete without it. Never. And so the one that I started this week, and this is actually the game that I almost streamed first when I started on Twitch last year. Well, is it like a penguin game? I'm trying to think. No. So, and I'm glad I didn't stream this as my first game because it would have been really tough to focus on chat even more so than it was playing ukulele. Uh, but Snake Pass. That's what it was. I knew it was some animal that was a platformer. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really interesting game in the sense that, you know, most 3D platformers, you're hopping around as some type of animal, Banjo-Kazooie, ukulele, uh, whatever it is. Snake Pass, you, as the name would imply, you, you play it as a snake. And so the physics of the game, it, it works really well, you know, because okay. you're slithering your way around these levels and, you know, very forested environments collecting a bunch of um, coins and whatever else, making your way to the end of the level, and you're like slivering around poles and things like that to navigate the levels, get to certain platforms, but you're a snake. There's no jumping, you know? Uh, so yeah. it takes a lot of patience, and it's a lot more slow-burning than the 3D platformers I'm used to playing, especially coming away from something like Tamarin. How do you platform without the ability to platform? <laughs> like You're navigating you, platforms as a snake. You know, that's, yeah. That's just basically how it goes. I thought it was a requirement for the genre to have a jump, but... Yeah, not this not one. Not this one. Not this one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm only a couple of levels in. It's something that I'll probably end up uh, playing to completion and maybe getting the Platinum Trophy. Uh, but guess who composed the soundtrack, Ryan? Austin Winery. David Wise. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, nothing striking me too much music-wise yet, but uh, I'm sure there's some bangers in there later in the game. I'm curious about this list that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, list of games. I mean, it's not too extensive or anything. Uh, one of the things that I would like to play, as I mentioned earlier with a friend of the show, Blinkoom, is a game on the PlayStation Vita that I picked up not too long ago by Zipper Interactive called uh, Unit 13. Okay. It's something that I'd like to play with him co-op. I know nothing about it. I've never really seen footage of it. Uh, I just know that, you know, it's kind of one of the underground, lesser-talked-about Vita games that seems to be pretty fun. So that's one thing I'd like to play. I, as you kind of mentioned earlier, though, I want to be in the right mood. 
and I really want to finally just play God of War to completion. Yes, I want you to. Yeah. So bad. And I, I looked at my my Twitch streams of the game, and I'm sure I didn't make as much progress as the timestamp would would um, lead you on to, to think, but um, my first stream of God of War was like three and a half hours, and then my second stream was like two and a half hours. Yeah. So I don't think I'm actually like six hours into the game, but maybe I am relatively far. Yeah, it's just the key part. It's hard to manage chat while listening to all of the side conversations that really breathe life into the world. Yeah. Especially the dwarves that you met. Mm-hmm. Um, they have so many good interactions. So, yeah, it's like a 30-hour game-ish. Mm-hmm. So, even if you're four hours in, you you didn't miss too much if your quality of reception of that world was somewhat dampered on stream yeah so that's something that i'd like to just maybe wake up early tuesday wednesday morning make a pot of coffee and just sit in the game room no podcast no music no nothing just put on headphones listen to the game and just get invested in that world yeah because that's easily a two two day game but like full days yeah i mean if you yeah and because i mean once you start and fully kind of get invested you you're not going to stop yeah so we'll see what happens that that's another game that's I definitely vote for that one on my list okay appreciate it and uh the next one <laughs> you're like if it matters it's cool <laughs> sure whatever um i get it i also re-downloaded dark cloud one of the ps2 classics and it's something that i played a few summers back and enjoyed that game so immensely and i, I couldn't re- remember uh i have 47 hours pumped into that game yeah you played a lot of that i mean i i think i saw you play it once mm-hmm. and you're just jumping around like the final tower or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. but yeah you and, played a lot of that when I, I started playing it last night for just a few minutes because i'm actually on the final boss i never beat the final boss because you need some particular item that you know helps you move faster or something i can't really recall all i do remember is i didn't end up beating him because i didn't have enough of the item yeah. And in order to get the item, I had to go back to like the first village and either farm the item in the dungeon or buy it from the merchant there or something. I can't really recall because it's been like two and a half years since I've played it. But um, I've heard that once you beat the final boss, some of the final few trophies that you have to grind out are really pretty similar or pretty easy, simple. Okay. And there's actually a glitch for one of them where you have to get 65,000 gold or something. Is that a lot? Well, apparently there's like a glitch that you can use to get you there in, in minutes. Yeah, like normal game is 65,000 a lot. Do you even remember? I don't. I mean, oh, but okay. I looked at the amount of gold I have and it's like 3,000. So oh, okay. I'm, so I'm, potentially. I'm a far <laughs> way off, yeah. Um, so that's something I'd love to play. Um, so we'll see if I can get the hang of it. I feel like I'll probably need to start a new file and go through a few dungeons just to get the hang of the combat again. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can do that, beat the final boss. That'll be a great game to check off the backlog and and hopefully maybe kind of kick me in the pants to eventually play Dark Cloud 2 later this year. Nice. We'll see. Good list. Yeah, that's really it, to be honest with you. I don't have a whole lot else. I mean, I'm sure uh, there's some other stuff that if I looked at my, my, my PS4 downloaded library, all my digital stuff, there might be something here or there, but uh, I think God of War, Near Replicant, Snake Pass, maybe Dark Cloud, and then playing some Vita with some good people, uh, sounds like a good week of gaming to me. Yeah, that with a little bit of attention to Lauren, minimal at well, best. And then some house stuff, mo- mainly game room stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a solid week. Yeah, exactly. A vacation, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we love you, Lauren. Promise. But, yeah. uh, 
Well, Ryan, what do you say we start the newest segment of Otaku Brothers called Memory of Melodies? Dude, I'm so ready. I'm so pumped for this. And to kind of set the stage before we get started, we do want to give a shout out to the Indie Quest podcast co-hosts Josh Leslie and Steve, also known as Frantic and Blinkoom out on the internet. They record a great podcast centered around indie games everything obscure all of the good stuff that relates to indie games and one of the segments that they do iqost is they bring a couple of indie game tracks to their podcast they talk about them they jam they have a good time and i was on a recent episode of their show not only listening to some great indie tunes but we were also talking about and breaking down the great game that is that game company's journey. So definitely go check that out. Go support them. Go show them some love, please, and thank you. But we did want to give them credit where credit is due because this is kind of what kickstarted this idea in my mind. You know, it's no secret. If you've been listening to Otaku Brothers since day one, you know that Ryan and I love talking about music, me in particular. All right. I don't know if an episode has gone by where I haven't either pulled up a random video game song to listen to on the show, or I talk about my love for video game music, composers, and it extends far beyond just video game music. You know, music for me was always just so central to my life growing up. I remember, you know, some of my earliest memories are, you know, my dad would be downstairs working out and then he'd come upstairs and put on this random song by Quincy Jones and my sister and I would just be dancing around the family room with him And, you know, in addition to that, you know, my parents always had a record going, a CD going, or a a tape, I guess. What what, what do you you call those? Cassette tape? A cassette tape. Yeah, we always had music playing in the Lewis household. And it's no different now with Lauren and I. We always have a record going. We always have Spotify going. We're always listening to music. And I just love and have such a great appreciation for music in video games and, and even in film and TV for that matter. But we wanted to create a segment for the show that brought all of that together, Yeah. right? And what better way to borrow a little bit from Kingdom Hearts, their recent um, 
rhythm game, Melody of Memories, flip it around and call it Memory of Melodies. Because for me, very much like a certain scent or, um, you know, whatever it is, when I listen to a particular song, it always takes me back to either a simpler time or a time where a particular video game got me through a really difficult period of my life. And so Memory of Melodies kind of brings that all together where the song that we're listening to, the melody is tied to a specific memory. Yeah. Right. And so moving forward, we're not going to do this every single week, but when we do this segment of the show, Ryan and I are each going to bring three to four songs and we're always going to base it on a particular topic or idea. So when we have guests on moving forward, if we have someone like Pete Dore or Chronolink91 that love JRPGs, we could literally just do a memory of melodies specific to JRPG music. Yeah. Why those tunes are so special to us. And Ryan and I wanted to kick everything off with this a segment centered around summer music. Yeah. Music that makes us happy and reminds us of summer as we are quickly approaching the summer months here in Ohio. And yeah, and originally it was going to be open to all summer songs not just specifically video games. I was read. I was queuing up some Pointer Sisters, and it's raining men. But yeah, we we honed it in a little bit. And now we're summer video game music, and that's just for this segment. You know, we wanted to lay down the foundation for the this segment moving forward with specific video game tunes. But moving forward, you know, when we do our '90s Part Two episode, we're gonna probably. Part of that episode is going to be Memory of Melodies, and it's going to be three songs that remind us of our youth when we were younger, and it's not just going to be video games. We'll probably do one song each, so we'll do a song from a video game that reminds us of our childhood, a song from a movie that reminds us of our childhood, and then just a real-world song, whether it's NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, whatever it is. You know, We really kind of want to just blow this up so that... It's just tied to our memories. It can be whatever we want it to be. It's very free form, very fluid, and we just want to celebrate music, reminisce, and have a really good time listening to some tunes. Yeah. So with all that being said, Ryan, uh, we have a Word doc here where we have spit all of the YouTube links to these songs, and you have a number of songs here. <laughs> yeah, I got a text from you like... Hey, so I didn't look at your songs, but you have six, and we originally supposed to have three. What's up? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have three main ones, one remix, and then going off the original prompt, I have two alternates. Okay. Which we might listen to at the end. So why don't you go first? What's the first song here that we're listening to? Uh, so song one, um, this one brings me back to just feeling the warmth of the sun streaming through our back windows as I was playing this game on the GameCube. Oh, nice. Um, you, let, let's just cue it up and play it, and then I'll talk about it afterwards, because the second you hear it, you'll be like, I know why. <laughs> so Perfect. Yeah. All right. Let's take a listen.
dude, just everything about this song makes me so happy. Um, Lauren and I love this game, and seeing it being remade on the Switch just brought me back. Um, I, I don't know. You could you could almost hear Yoshi <laughs> in the tone of this song because you got Delfino Plaza is the name of the song. Um, you have Yoshi in that little area and. The beat that it portrays is just him running around, shaking his ass, picking up fruit, mm-hmm. and hopping on the heads of all the locals. Um, but just it, it takes me back to definitely simpler times when I could feel pretending that I was in this game. The heat coming through the window on my um, younger version of me's skin, and then pretending that I was in this world yeah. with those crystal uh, clear seas. Yeah. Super Mario Sunshine is definitely, you know, a lot of people consider it the black sheep of the 3D Mario series, and and I don't even want to say for good reason, because I think it is a very special game, and I think it really means a lot to, to our generation, you yeah. know, that maybe Super Mario 64 was the first game that we played, but um, Mario Sunshine is super happy, and gosh, if there was ever a game that was a shining example of summer, yeah, that's that's a perfect game. Yeah, I mean, shining. <laughs> it's I, ironic. Um, but yeah, it just everything from this game radiates that summer vacation feeling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, dude. Very good. Yeah, take. I tried to show this to my parents when I was dropping off the dog this morning. They're like, what the? Are we in like Jamaica or like, what the hell is this? And I was yeah. like, it's Mario. And they're like, oh, okay. That's where we've heard it before. Very so, good. I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Uh, well, my first song is actually the first song that I used on Indie Quest, uh, just because I think it is such a fitting summer song. It really kind of reminds me of a Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett type um, style where you're you're sitting poolside with a couple of pina, pina coladas and maybe eating some, some grilled food, a hot mm. dog or a burger or something. And this is a song that's from, from one of my favorite games of the last decade, and that's Ukulele. You know, okay. we, we yeah. talk about ukulele very often here on the podcast. It was a game that where a couple of ex-Rare developers came together and wanted to kind of kickstart a project that was would end up becoming kind of a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. And, and I know it doesn't, um, it didn't really fit that bill for most people, but for me, it really satisfied all the 3D platforming itches that I I really wanted from a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie, and I think it does a lot better job than people actually give it credit for. And one of the standout things about the game is certainly its soundtrack composed by, uh, it was a collaborative effort between Grant Kirkhope and David Wise, but this particular song is composed by David Wise, and it's called kind of the Jungle Challenge theme. Okay. And I actually have two versions of this. So I have the version that made it into the game. And then I randomly through YouTube suggested videos stumbled upon a remix of the game or a remix of the song that I'll be playing also. But what do you say we go ahead and take a listen to the, the actual track that makes its way into the game? Let's do it.
the funny thing about this is because this isn't this is just an audio show you guys can't see <laughs> fucking rusty over here just bopping his head smiling at his computer uh it's hilarious uh no this is this is really good poolside music right um just i mean was it the shaker is that a maraca or you got some maracas you got some steel drum you got the quick acoustic <clears throat> plucks of the guitar man yeah it really makes me think that i'm like i'm walking on sandstone you got some bamboo torches tiki torches lit it's about dusk um i have no idea what actually goes into a pina colada but it sounds good and tropical oh you're probably um, wearing a hawaiian t-shirt it's buttoned down too many buttons you got some chest hair popping out you're yeah looking pretty dude, hot. oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah yeah no this is yeah makes you want to be at like beachside well it, it should also encourage people to want to play ukulele yeah right. I, I was I, during that song i was trying to figure out if i still have your copy or i don't I think, think i gave it back to yeah you. you should take it back that yeah. is what you should play this week dude I'd be cool with that. I think that'd be a fun. I know we a little not, less violent than Returnal, so it's just my other option. But and I know you're not yeah. the biggest, you know, trophy collector, but that's a fun platinum trophy to grind out. I think I got like five or six hours into it. You actually. did. You played quite a bit of it. Yeah. So I do want to also pull up this other song because I thought it was such a great remix of that tune. And this is actually an eight-bit remix. So if Ukulele oh. came out on the NES. That Very same cool. song, this is what it would sound like. And it's so good, dude. I was like, if you thought I was bopping before, I was bopping like a crazy person when I heard the the 8-bit remix. So When you mentioned remix, I didn't know how they would remix that song. Yeah. Like they wouldn't, I don't know, techno it up. But yeah, yeah, I'm curious to hear what this sounds like. Yeah, so let's check out the 8-bit remix of David Wise, Jungle Challenge from Ukulele.
Yeah, I really like that too. Um, I, it's not quite the same as the original, which is the smoother version, but it's you're still definitely in the same like plaza or vicinity as the that sandstone beach. So what I'm thinking is off poolside, off the sandstone, you got a little bit of sand on the ground, but there's like a little arcade, mm-hmm. and you're playing ukulele on some joysticks. Exactly, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was so good, and the fact that I like randomly stumbled upon that from just a YouTube suggested video, which is no surprise. I mean, I'm always listening to the, the video game tunes on my YouTube channel uh, or using my YouTube account. So for this to kind of be one of those on the right hand side, you should check out Jungle Challenge 8-bit remix from ukulele. Yeah. It's, My, a, it's a scary algorithm, the old YouTubes. Yeah, no, it's you. You come down some dark paths. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have over the years, Ryan. Yes, uh, but hopefully yeah. you enjoyed that. Hopefully, again, it'll encourage you to play some ukulele. You can get it on Switch. You can get it on Xbox. You can get it on PC. You can get it on PlayStation. Pretty much every console. And my goodness. Is that game worth playing? But Ryan, we gotta keep going down and listen to some more tunes. So, what is your second song here? Actually, it. it fades really well off of your 8-bit remix. Oh, yeah? Because um, my next one is uh, an 8-bit Game Boy Color game. Uh, the song is called Violet City. Oh, yes. And it's, I mean, Bellsprout Tower, uh, silver version. Mm. I don't know if you can picture that little town. There's Mareeps off in the grass just frolicking around. Um, I remember playing silver version in the car, um, I mean, I wasn't old. I wasn't that old, so we'd still Lauren and I go around with my mom as she was doing errands. Um, so I'd be playing this one as we were going into Myers, into Kroger's. Um, but I just remember being in the front seat, playing my little Game Boy Color with the uh, the sun on my face and that glare just coming off that screen. Pretty ridiculous, so, yeah. What yeah. uh, what color Game Boy Color did you have? I had a see-through one, the oh. see-through purple. Yeah, originally. Very nice. And then I believe I had a white Game Boy Advance. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So. Shall we take a listen? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's go.
yeah, this song takes me back. Um, playing with my first my first playthrough of Silver Version, I had Cyntaquil before I got into Fraligator mm-hmm. and his jams. But uh, I picked up a Mareep who turned into probably my favorite second-gen Pokemon besides Lugia, mm-hmm. which is Ampharos. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I love the crap out of Ampharos, and he was overpowered as shit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the song from the town where you got Mareep mm-hmm. and uh, Flaffy. I, I it just the something about the eight bit sound and for these more nostalgic tracks mm-hmm. it just oh god it just all the endorphins it can't help right but now. take you back right yeah. and you know the Game Boy Advance Game Boy Color Game Boy uh, they all do that very well and I don't think even if I'm not familiar with the song just the style of eight bit tracks it really yeah. just takes you back. Yeah, because I, I ended up buying Crystal because I liked Silver Version so much mm-hmm. to play through Suicune's story. Nice. Um, so I've, I've heard this song for many a hour. And, you know, it's funny because I don't really have the ties to Gold and Silver like I did for um, red, red, Blue, and Yellow because I never really remember getting a copy. And it wasn't until okay. years later, I think I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade, that my friend gave me his copy of Crystal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I played it for the first time. Yeah. And I don't remember much of it other than you had a phone in that game, right? Like a cell phone yeah. you could call you can people call, and stuff. Or you get calls back from when the trainers are ready to rebattle you. I just remember that. Like that is such a Fucking weird. Oak just pestering the shit. Like, hey, I'm banging your mom. Just <laughs> let you know. Come back and she'll pick, take your money and buy shit with it. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of distinct, vivid memories playing the game outside of being at my friend's place, ordering pizza. When his mom was at work, she would leave pizza money for us, and I would sit there and play Crystal on my Game Boy Color, and he'd be playing Medal of Honor Rising Sun, and that's kind of my memories associated with with Pokemon Crystal version. Yeah. Very strange, but that's kind of my my vaguest, I guess, clearest <laughs> memory. Yeah, those were early times. I mean, take what you can get with memories. Uh, this one was a weird game. Um, you got to initially meet Professor Oak with Professor, I think, Elm mm-hmm. at, in the second gen. Uh, you met him at the beginning, and they were talking about Pokedex, and yeah, it's up there with probably my top three generations. But I'm with you, and I, and I really hope it gets the Let's Go treatment eventually. Yeah. Because yeah. I... I that been... or even a Switch port non-Let's Go. Like, I would love... To, I mean, they have Soul Silver remake, but... Even if they do it the same way they do Diamond and Pearl mm-hmm. and just revitalize that world, I would love it. I mean, and if they probably, because you have the second half of the game playing through the first gen region, mm-hmm. if they pump that up, oh, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and maybe a little bit selfishly, the first three generations of Pokemon in the order they released are my favorite. You know, um, the first series of games, you know, the Johto region and then... Uh, Sinnoh or whatever the heck the third one is with yeah. um, Sapphire and, and Ruby and I would love all three of them to get the Let's Go treatment because I feel like those games are comfort food gaming at their finest they feel effortless to play and you're just overwhelmed with nostalgia every step of the way yeah. and Let's Go Pikachu I've been itching to get back and, and just honestly restarting my file entirely and just going through it again because it is such a nostalgia chip through time and it just feels so good to visit um, those earlier Pokemon games yeah. But uh, you got For a sure. sexy I do. version? Of- I do. So going the opposite way that you did your remix, you went from normal song to 8-bit. I'm going 8-bit to sexy version. Where okay. it's kind of a smoothed over. 
smoothed over version. All right. Well, let's go ahead and then check this out. Is this a, I guess, remastered version of that? It, track? It's just when I was looking through songs Thursday night, I was like jamming until twelve on my my speakers. Um, I came across when I was searching Violet City um, this song. Okay. Further down the list. All right. So. Let's take a listen. Great track, lovely rendition of Violet City, and this is actually a record that I own. Uh, Braxton Burks basically did renditions of the entire Gold and Silver soundtrack. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, it's a great record through and through. I mean, he literally has orchestrated versions of all of those old 8-bit tracks, so we'll have to give it a listen sometime. Yeah, the flutiness towards the beginning, I was like, I recognize that like sound, and it really reminds me of Bell's theme. I don't know if you heard that in there towards the beginning. Bell's theme from like uh, Beauty, and, Beauty the and the Beast. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. yeah, I can see that. Um, so this morning I was I went back and listened to Bell's theme after listening to this, and yeah, it lines up pretty well. Good stuff with some of the chorus. Um, have you ever heard spinning real quick off of Bell's theme? Have you ever heard of a Giga Chad? Mm, no. Okay, so I heard this term. <laughs> it, I think it's like a a Gen Z or whatever the new Gen is that TikToks. Um, but Giga Chad is, I think, this name of like this really chin, like chin chiseled guy, and like Gaston. I think, if I'm using the term correctly, would be considered a Giga Chad. Okay, well, and it turns out because I was like, "Fuck, that dude's got a chin of a god." He does. Giga Chad is a th- a real guy. Huh. He's a a Russian model, so I followed him. Interesting. Because I can't get my uh, pelvic thrusting Brazilian model man. Good <laughs> so stuff. Giga Chad. 
All right. Well, that was weird, but we should probably... <laughs> Dude, I'm just trying to, like, make sure you're educated in the ways of male models. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah you're we, we need more of that. I got you, bro. For sure. Uh, what do you say we get into my Yeah, back to music. Song? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So my second song is for a game that I remember playing. I can't remember what year of college it was. This game came out in 2011. Okay. Uh, which was, we talk about it often here, but 2011 was just an, was a ins- good year. an insane year for video games. This came out in the fall of 2011. I didn't play it at release. I played it the following summer. So 2012, I think would have been the summer going into maybe my, my sophomore or junior year of college. And it's not a series that I, I've played a lot of games in and it for reasons that I talked about earlier in the show about the pathless like I've never been good at puzzles and I don't even think it's that I'm, I'm not good at them it's I never really allow myself the chance to solve them you okay. know yeah and I never play a game in this series without a guide and this one was no exception but I consulted a guide less and this was another instance like the pathless where I really challenged myself in dungeons to not look up guides and get invested uh, and just basically watching a YouTube tutorial for the whole game and me going through the motions. Yeah. And that is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Oh, cool. This is one of my favorite Legend of Zelda games. It's probably top three for me, even though I've only completed or played to completion like five or maybe six Zelda games or something like that. But Skyward Sword... um, it's interesting because critically it received like nines and tens across the board, but it's also the Zelda game that fans tend to hate on for one reason or another. Is it the? F- this is the one that's getting a remix, right? Or a remake? It's getting a remake for for Switch, yeah, in the summer, and, and I'm so excited because um, I love Skyloft. I love how this is kind of a. Um, I think this is kind of technically the first game in the Legend of Zelda yeah, timeline. Yeah, I think I've heard that as well. Really memorable boss battles, great dungeon designs, and my word, if you want to talk about a great Zelda soundtrack, I know they're always memorable, you know, dating back to, well, certainly the 8-bit on the NES games, but, you know, A Link to the Past had such a phenomenal soundtrack, and every game moving forward, including Ocarina of Time, was just such a memorable mm-hmm. soundtrack. Yeah. But Skyward Sword just took things to another level, in my opinion. And it's, I can't even tell you how often when I'm working, I'll pull up a Skyward Sword relaxing music playlist. And every time I listen to it, I just remember being in my, I was at my dad's house upstairs playing this game. And I probably regrettably, but like a 20 25 inch CRT TV had my Wii hooked up and was just motion controlling my way to the end. And I probably beat it in about a week. You can go back if you go to my YouTube channel and search for, um, you know, Skyward Sword. I probably have a number of videos talking about it and probably including my Summer Backlog Challenge 2012 video. Uh, this just brings me back to simpler times. One of my favorite things when I was in college was going home for summer break and going home for winter break and, of course, seeing my family, but also just because I only had a week or two off, I would always uh, try to play like one kind of big, sizable game, you know, whether it was Skyrim or Arkham City or Dark Souls or, in this case, uh, Skyward Sword. This is always a standout game for me in that in that sense, and and certainly the soundtrack just reminds me of that. So, this one is called Fies Gratitude or Fees Gratitude. It's one of my favorite Zelda games, and I still cannot remember how to pronounce that stupid side character. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and take a listen.
such a lovely track and one that many people are probably thinking like really rusty out of the entire skyward sword soundtrack that's the song that you choose but for me i mean one if you've played the game then that song evokes all kinds of emotions and it's it's wild to me that a few soft piano keys can really evoke that much emotion in the player and you know have that kind of uh, emotional response and that's what that song does for me on so many different levels and the Skyloft theme, there's so many other memorable, great tracks that really immediately transport me back to the summer of 2012. But but that song for me, I can listen to when I'm really happy and it'll make me feel great. But I can also listen to it when I'm really down and maybe not in the best of moods. And it'll still lift me up, even if it brings to a tear, uh, a tear to my eyes for um, just not being in the best state of mind. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Do you know what environment, because you said this was a side character's theme right Mm -hmm. do you know what environment it takes place in i do but i literally cannot talk about or describe the moment where this song plays because one i'll start getting teary-eyed but then i will also spoil one of the most pivotal moments in all of skyward sword okay so i don't want to do that just you know know and understand that that fi or fee fi and fo fum um (laughs) this character is meant to guide link throughout the entirety of this journey okay and so um you can maybe connect the dots between the song name and just the events of the game uh, in its entirety, why and where this song might play. But that's all I'll say. I cannot wait to replay Skyward Sword. I also pre-ordered the Joy-Cons specific to the game too. So very excited to revisit that. It's one of my favorite Zelda games, and I hope that more people uh, will give it the time of day when it releases on Switch this summer. Or this fall? I think it I think it's this fall, maybe, and the Joy Cons are this summer. I can't remember, but I'm really this excited. Year sometime. Yeah, I'm really excited to to replay Skyward Sword. Yeah, I think I. I mean, after seeing that, I'll probably pick this up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did Did you hear the first fight? I know you have memories tied to this one, and I don't. I mean, I really love the piano in this, but the first five notes really remind me of the Halo theme. Oh yeah, Martin O'Donnell. Yeah, it is kind of like that. So. That's that's what I was hearing for most of it until it went into the actual like the full. Yeah, but yeah, no, I can definitely hear that. Really enjoyed that one. Good, good, I'm glad. Uh, well, Ryan, let's get into your final song here. Yes. Do you want to kick this off? Any anything you want to reveal before we get into this one? Um, this one's pretty iconic. Uh, Lauren and I played a game for I think like 250 hours. Um, that game being one of the best games of all time, being Super Smash Brothers Melee. Um, and this is the stage theme to where we spent many of our hours training. Um, I, w- I was probably best at melee, um, but I was teaching her like off ledge um, kills and things, and I put her through the school, and uh, we trained her up so she didn't suck. Nice. Um, so this is our favorite stage. All right, let's take a listen.
Yeah, so that one, uh, I've listened to that song for many an hour. Uh, just something about the Hyrule stage, I think it's probably its size. Lauren and I spent a ton of hours there uh, making up games. So there was the set everything to Pokeballs and see who wins versus based off of the Pokemon that you throw out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, if you're getting a legendary, um, you can get like Lugia, Ho-Ho, any of the dogs. Um, but you could also get like Mew. Um, so lots of fun there. Lauren also used to play like a complete bitch and go down underneath the stage on that little platform and just try to attack me and keep me off of that. So yeah, it was a ton of fun. I mean, really any game that you can associate to a summer break, Mm, um, mm -hmm. and this probably I played over at least two summer breaks. Yeah. Um, I miss those summer breaks. (laughs) Now that now that we have to work as adults mm-hmm. full time, but yeah, no, it's I really enjoy this song and it takes me back. I'm with you, man. What a great song! One of my favorite maps in all of Smash Brothers. I mean, of course, the original Hyrule Castle on N64 was the best stage in my opinion, and then Hyrule Temple basically just blew that up to be this gargantuan stage. Yeah. And not only does the music play there, that's really memorable, but so many memorable fights that went down there with my friends growing up too. So great pick, love it. And I'm sure we'll see more melee music in the future. Yes, for sure. If we keep doing this memory melody segment. So good stuff, man. I like it. Well, my last song is from a game that I briefly talked about earlier, and that is Dark Cloud. Okay. So I remember very vividly, distinctly going into Hollywood video with my mom. It was kind of a routine ritual every Friday after school when she would pick us up when we had weekends with my mom. We would stop at Wendy's. I would get a junior bacon cheeseburger, four chicken nuggets, and a medium fry. Sounds delicious. And we would either go to Blockbuster uh, or eventually when Blockbuster kind of went away, or at least the one that was near us, we went to Hollywood Video. And so we kind of alternated. There were certain weekends where my mom said you can rent a video game at Hollywood Video, but then there were also weekends when she said you can go into Game Crazy and get a game that I'll buy for you uh, used for like $20 or less. And so it was always kind of this scavenger hunt going into Game Crazy, trying to find a game that I wanted, but then back then, you know, it wasn't like I was going on YouTube or looking up things on my phone because I didn't, I never had a cell phone growing up. So it would be purely based on the front cover, reading the back of the box, the game title, whatever it was that really kind of sold me. That's what I picked up. That's what I went home with. And while I never went home with Dark Cloud, it was one that I remember always looking at and saying, I feel like I this game you know what no i take that back i totally did get dark cloud and i do remember because toen's face the main character was on the front cover and it just looked really interesting to me mm-hmm. um there wasn't a whole lot to go on based on the front of the case now the back there were some interesting screenshots and it it looked like it might be some kind of ocarina of time like game but this was one of those ones where i took home and it just didn't click. Like I didn't understand this roguelike design where you go into these dungeons, they're randomized every time. Why are my weapons breaking? Why do I need to drink water all the time? There were just all of these mechanics that were so far outside of my realm of understanding that I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why you needed Pitor to sit down, explain, and play for like 13 hours straight. Exactly. So flash forward back to the summer of 2018. Laura and I have been married for a year. She's in Japan. And this is when I became a doorknob. This is when I finally started watching Pete stream stuff on eBay. And this was the summer that he was speedrunning Dark Cloud. You're like, she's in Japan. I'm alone. There's a Dark Cloud over me. I might as well play. I mean, how I'm feeling. Exactly. That was going through my mind, man. So I remember watching Pete stream uh, and I actually downloaded the the VOD. So I have both VODs saved on my computer. There's an 11 hour stream that he does. And then there's a nine hour stream that he does speed running Dark Cloud. But that was the summer. And there's it's memorable for so many reasons, because that was the summer that I played Life of Black Tiger with Pete and (laughs) a bunch of people. That was the summer that I think I played Wolfenstein. That was the summer that I played Dark Cloud. And it was a game that, you know, in my childhood didn't work. But when I played it as an adult, it finally clicked and I understood what made that game so special. And I completely fell in love with the roguelike mechanics going into these dungeons, but even more so uh, collecting all of the items and going back into town and kind of restoring what was lost because the dark gene, the beginning of the game cast that spell and everything kind of gets secured in these little orbs. Yeah. And so then you go back to your town and you basically build everything back up from scratch as if it's the Sims. You get to replace all the buildings, all the people, everything. And I completely just fell in love with that gameplay loop, but even more so, I fell in love with the soundtrack. And similar to you, staying up until 1230 at night the other day, I was both with this and Skyward Sword was just wrestling with which song I wanted to choose. Mm -hmm. Because Skyward Sword, there's so many. Dark Cloud, there's so many. But the one that, to me, kind of screams Dark Cloud and really... The moment I listen to it, I'm just really put back into that summer, sitting on that blue couch in our one-bedroom apartment, playing Dark Cloud. It is called The Departure. So this is the song that once the old little man kind of sets you off on the journey and explains what you have to do, you walk out of this house, you walk across this deserted terrain, and then you walk into the dungeon. Before you walk into the dungeon... This is the song that plays, and it is so good. So what do you say we take a listen? Let's do it.
Oh man. So, so, so good. I'm, I love Dark Cloud so much and, you know, listening to the soundtrack and finding, trying to find a song that was fitting for this segment of the show kind of inspired me to want to go back and not only beat the game, but get the platinum trophy. And who freaking knows, man, maybe I beat Dark Cloud and I'm like, I'm so in the mood for Dark Cloud right now. I might just go right into Dark Cloud 2 later this week and put Near Replicant and God of War in the back burner. You never know. But I think Dark Cloud is just a very unique experience. It's Certainly at the time when Level 5 put it out back in 2001, I believe, it was unlike anything that had really come before it. It certainly, you know, draws inspiration from a number of games, but uh, in totality, that package is unlike most games, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'll go ahead. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think just hearing a soundtrack how like it can change your motivation to play a game. Oh, yeah. Going from, hey, I took a sabbatical for two years to... Let's platinum the shit out of this game mm-hmm, and maybe mm-hmm. go on to another one. But yeah, I mean, it's it really reminds me of a start of a journey song, mm-hmm. um, Leaving the Shire. It, it's gotten, I'm going to travel through this forest and start an adventure. So yeah, yeah. Really good stuff. Uh, well, I think we had a lot of fun songs that we brought to the table this week, Ryan. Yes. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed this memory of Melody segment. It's something Ryan and I are going to be doing, I would say, at least once a month because there's no shortage of music that we can pull from. I had six songs teed up for this, but like I had to restrain myself because I, I was telling myself like, if I don't tell, if I don't talk about these game songs now, I'll never talk about them again. Yeah. But I mean, in, in all honesty, this is something that Ryan and I are going to be doing as frequent, as frequently as we want to, because, um, it's relatively easy preparation wise. And I had a hell of a time preparing for it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun going back through old music and finding stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, dude. Well, I know we kind of promised that we would get the the listener questions, go back to the question block. I know we have an audio question from a friend of the show, but uh, I'm still feeling a little under the weather from the shot. So I think we're probably going to call it here, especially since we're literally creeping on two hours. But I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please get in the Discord if you're not already in there. Click that little link in the show notes. We'd love to have you in there, part of the fun discussions. We've been talking a lot about the NFL draft and also just talking a lot about video games and a bunch of other random things. So click the link in the show notes. And if you want to ask us a question, you can absolutely do that too. Write in to otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Write us a question. You have a suggestion for the show, a topic. Maybe you want to showcase a song as part of memory of melodies in the future. Send it to us. Maybe we'll play it on a future episode of the show. Anything that makes the show better. We're all about it. And you can also ask us questions as part of the question block channel there in the Discord. And if you like what you're hearing, Ryan and I don't ask for much. We don't charge. We don't have a Patreon. There's nothing that we really ask for in return. But you can show your appreciation for the show by just going over to the old Apple podcast iTunes store searching for Otaku Brothers, dropping us a review, rating us five stars, we would really appreciate it. All right? Well, Ryan, as we always do as we wrap up the Otaku Brothers podcast, I turn it over to you, and I'm hoping you might have a little fact for the good people. Yes. it's. I don't know if it's... Whoa, that was loud. <laughs> uh, sorry to blow out your eardrums as we uh, phase out here. But um, yeah, last night I learned... I was scrolling through Instagram trying to... or just not falling asleep and i found out that there's this anime called ghost stories which i'm actually going to buy the english dub of because it sounds amazing but it's an anime that failed in japan so royally that when the studio gave it to uh 
us in America to dub, they basically said, I don't even care if you follow the script, just wing it. Just voice over with whatever you want, just keep the characters' names the same and the overall plot relatively the same. And I think it's a cult classic for anime, but definitely worth checking out. Okay. Um, it, it's a u- very unique approach. Is to... it on Netflix or? No, I I think this came out like years ago. Okay. It's, it was originally supposed to be a scary anime, like horror stories, and then it came over here and it was changed to dark humor. And dark humor it is. So, um, yeah, take a look. Uh, definitely worth the watch. Ghost Stories. Yes, Ghost Stories. All right, that's also Coldplay's fifth studio album, so please also check out. Probably a very similar tone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, hopefully this episode found you all well. It was entertaining. You got a good laugh. That's all we want to do here at Otaku Brothers is uh, have a fun community that's welcoming and, and make the good people laugh. So hopefully we got a little bit of that going on today with the episode but thank you so much for listening all right ryan and i really do appreciate all of the great support we've got with this show and hey i hope that this next week is the best week yet for you all right and ryan and i will be back next week with another episode of otaku brothers yeah see ya